Calling all leaders. Do you long to be a catalyst for change in your organization and community? Ignite transformation and make a meaningful impact on the world. This is your moment. At the 2023 Global Leadership Summit, you'll experience two transformative days full of inspiration, insights, and resources, all designed to help you push your boundaries and maximize your influence. At the 2023 Summit, you'll hear from world-class leaders like Secretary Condoleezza Rice, Craig Rochelle, Patrick Lencioni, Liz Bohannon, and so many more. No matter your place or your position, the summit will empower you to lead wisely, to lead boldly, to lead where you are. What's up, Ridge Church? How's everybody doing? Happy Sunday. I'm Pastor Christian, and I get the honor and privilege of serving as the Connections Pastor here at Bridge, and I'm honored to serve under Pastor Archie and Pastor Tanji, and of course, the legendary Pastor Scott. So as we uh, get rolling here this morning, the first thing I want to do is I want to uh, welcome a very special group of people here this morning, and that is our first-time guest. So, Bridge family, let me welcome our first-time guests here this morning. And we're so glad you're here. I want to personally welcome you to Bridge Church. And just want to invite you, there is a Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. And just want to invite you to connect in a way that's not embarrassing and you don't have to make yourself known to everyone. But just fill that out with as much information as you're comfortable with. And you can take that card. Go out in the lobby, hang a right, and go to the Welcome Center, and uh, we have some gifts there for you. We'd love to bless you with a, a delicious drink from our coffee bar and some other things as well. Just our way of saying we're glad you're here and welcome. Awesome. So um, we have been talking about the book of Jude this morning. Also want to welcome online. You guys help me welcome our online guests online as well. And uh, let's actually, let's pray before we get going. God, we just thank you that you are good and you are faithful. And Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. Just as we did in worship, we just welcome you to be known and be heard and be seen and to reveal to us what you have for us this morning and what you want to speak through me today. And we just thank you, God, and honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Oh, my bride's sitting on the front row. So just so you guys know, this service is going to be better. Just because she's there. All right, so actually, before we get going, do you guys want to know a secret to receiving something specifically for you this morning? Anybody want to know the secret? Somebody, somebody right here wants to know the secret. All right, so lean in. Lean in. Because they don't want to know the secret. So I'm just going to tell you the secret, okay? So the secret receiving something specifically for you. Because I know there's people that come to church and they're like, man, it feels like that person gets a word and that person gets a word and they get something and walk out, walk out feeling charged. Like, I don't feel like I received something. Let me tell you the secret. The secret is is that you come in hungry and with expectation. 
come in expecting to receive something from God. And let me tell you something, and you come in expecting, and I come in expecting, because let me tell you something, I had a hard time sleeping last night. I was tossing and turning because I was expecting God to do something to speak to you this morning. And so when you come in and you bring your hunger and your expectation, and I bring my expectation, boom, something happens. That's the secret. So there's no excuse for you to walk out to me and be like, I don't think I, I didn't really get anything out of that. Because the Holy Spirit is so cool. He will take something that's shared of one person gets one thing, and you get something totally different. That's the Holy Ghost, all right? So, y'all ready? Bring, bring your expectation. All right, so we're finishing up Jude, the one chapter in Jude. You're like, man, Pastor Christian, I've been talking about Jude so long. I read that in like five minutes. Like, well, the Bible is actually meant to be chewed on. Like, gnawed on and chewed on and extract all the juices and all the flavors. That's what you're supposed to do with God's Word. And so we've been gnawing on Jude, right? We've been extracting on Jude. So I get the privilege of finishing up Jude. And then next week, we start at the movies. So you should have got a card when you came in. Um, that is not a pocket card or a leave-in-your-seat card. Some of y'all left it in the seat last week. Just saying, I picked it up. That is a take-with-you card and invite people to church. It's a great time to invite people, especially non-church people. Because it's like a party. Like, it's like we're at the movies. Like, we're eating popcorn and eating candy. We're hanging out. We're watching scenes from a movie. Great time to invite people to church. Um, so, but this week we're finishing up Jude. And so Jude, Pastor Scott started us off in Jude. And Jude starts off with this charge. And it's this charge Jude gives. And he's like, contend for the faith. You see, because people were coming into the church... And they were teaching false things. They were bringing the world in and these ways of the world. And Jude said, hey, contend with the way. Don't just stand by and let these people bring this into the church. You need to stand up for what's right. You need to contend for the faith. Contend for your faith in what Jesus has taught us. And so it starts off with a charge, and Jude finishes strong too. But, but we'll get to that here in a second. So today we're talking about living for Christ in an unchristian world. It's easy to be unchristian in an unchristian world, but we're called to be different in the world. So how do we know that? Just want to, to, to reaffirm that we are supposed to be different. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. And I just picked a handful of scriptures just to reinforce that for you this morning. Maybe you're not that familiar with the Bible. So let me just re reinforce that for you. And I'm just highlighting these scriptures. Okay, this is not the total scriptures. I'm just going to go down and highlight it for you so you know the case. Ephesians 4, 17. No longer live as Gentiles. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Leviticus 18, 3. You shall not do as they did in Egypt, or they talked about not doing as they do in Canaan, where you're going... Don't walk in their statutes. He says, walk in my ways, my statutes. I have a different way for you. Matthew 6, 8 says, do not be like them, talking about the Gentiles, heaping up empty phrases in prayer, which that's right before he goes into the Lord's prayer. He says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Hey, don't pray like they pray. Pray like I pray. 
Psalm 4.3, know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. You've been set apart. 1 John 2.15, love not the world or the things in the world. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a spe God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You've been called out. So you guys got it? Case in point. And of course, Jude is doing the same thing right here in chapter 19 going into 20, which is what we're going to talk about today. He, in 19, verse 19, he talks about the scoffers. He talks about the way these people are living, right? And so then in verse 20, he says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith. So he's drawing a conclusion. Don't be like that, but you, dear friends, be like this. So what are you supposed to do? If you want to be able to live for Christ in an unchristian world, verse 20 is important to help you do that. He says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Spirit. Like, what was praying in the Spirit? Well, there's this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues, which is a heavenly language. And so that's important because sometimes, one, we don't know what to pray. And two, we need to take our brain out of the equation because your brain is filled with doubt and unbelief and all kinds of thoughts that you're like, man, I gotta get these things out. And so when you pray in the spirit, I'm not praying with my natural mind. I'm praying with the spirit that lives inside of me. Right? We all, we're all three-part being. We all have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Okay? So it's important for building yourself up, strengthening yourself in your faith. Praying in the spirit. I'll never forget um, when I was in college and um, me and Kathy were engaged. It was my senior year of college. And we were engaged and both Kathy and I were um, honored to be able to wait till marriage to have sex. And so I'm sitting in class, in my business class, mind you. And um, I think it was entrepreneurship actually. And I'm sitting in class and the enemy puts a thought in my head, a sexual thought about my fiance. And I was like, well, I mean, you're gonna get married anyway, right? Is it really that important? Like, well, I knew that that thought didn't need to be in there. But is there ever a time when you have thoughts coming in your brain? And it's like, you know when you have a thought coming in, you're like, yeah, I don't like that thought. So you turn, you go think about something else. But then you turn and it's, there's another one. And then you turn and there's another one. There's another one, and then you feel like you're being bombarded. That happened to anybody? Yes. Okay. So that's what happened to me. So I shook it off, turned, thinking about something else. Shook it off, turned, thinking about something else. Every way I turned, there was another thought. I was like, man, I'm being bombarded. And I ain't gonna let the devil win this battle. And so there in my seat, quietly, where no one can hear me, I started praying in the spirit. I took my mind. I had the equation. Okay, enemy, you want to bombard my brain? Boom. Took my brain out of the equation and stopped. So praying in the spirit, building up yourself in the faith. Then this next part, he says, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. He says, keep yourselves. So if he's telling us to keep ourselves, maybe something happens when we find ourselves outside of God's love. You know, Pastor Archie in week two, he used the umbrella. He talked about submitting yourself under God. 
in that safe place of protection. Well, this is similar. It's keep yourself in his love. There's another translation that says, attach your heart to him. So in, as we go through life, we find ourselves perhaps creeping out. We have to work. We have to contend. We have to keep ourselves. We have to work to stay in his love, in his grace, where his mercy is. And so you have to work to keep yourselves there. So build yourself up in your most holy faith and stay in his love. So, without a doubt, we're supposed to be different. So then the question is, what holds us back? What keeps us from being different than the world? What keeps us from speaking up when we know we should speak up? What keeps us from taking a stand for truth when we know we need to take a stand for truth? What keeps us in the environment where everyone else is thinking the same thing and going the same way? And we're like, no, I know that's, that's not right. What keeps us from doing that? Because right? it's hard, right? Especially those of us who have jobs, careers, right? We have a family to feed and support and take care of. What are you guys worried about? Christian, you work in the church. I didn't always work in the church. Okay? I've, I've worked in businesses. I've ran businesses. Like, you've got to be able to make a stand when you know something's not right. So what's holding you back? And i got three things. And there's others. This is just three. And for you, it may be different. But the Holy Spirit will tell you whatever yours is, if you'll listen. So three things that hold us back. Number one, comfort. We live in the greatest nation on the planet. And in America, poverty in America is not poverty in other nations, right? And so we live in a great place, but it's also a place of comfort, right? And so we work to get to that place, right? We work to get to a place where we own a home and we have cars and we have kids and they're in great schools and we live in a great neighborhood. We work hard to, to create all those things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But you have to be careful because what we do is we get in this place of comfort and we just stay there. And let me tell you, that's not the place to stay. All growth happens outside your comfort zone. In fact, the Bible actually says, in this world you will have trouble. Why will we have trouble? Because we're living different. And so if you're not having any trouble, I'm just going to ask you to internally reflect Maybe you're too comfortable. Maybe you're not living different. Because you're going to have trouble. Because the, the enemy is speaking loud. People are living in sin. And they're broadcasting it everywhere. And when we say that's not right, I'm not supporting that, I'm not standing for that, what happens? You get attacked. Where's the love? Right? They, they take what the very thing God has given us and try to use it against us. So we are supposed to live outside of this place of comfort. I'm not saying every aspect of your life should be uncomfortable, okay? But two things when it comes to comfort that I think we get in this place of comfort. Number one is living by the flock. And so many of us, we are very structured, we're very disciplined, we have schedules, we have all these things, we have places we're supposed to be. And we just live by the clock. There's nothing wrong with being disciplined, having a schedule. Okay, I'm a firm believer in schedules. Um, firm believer in those kinds of rhythms. 
Any, any 5 a.m. club people in here? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, right? So I'm a firm believer in all, all that stuff. But here's what happens if we're not careful. We get in this place where the clock runs us, and it's, it's, a, it's a distraction of that. Because then we can't see what God is doing. It's just like, man, I got somewhere to be. I got to stay on schedule. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we don't have to create any time or space for, man, what does God want to do today? Because God can do anything at any moment. He can do anything today. The very thing that you came in today needing, he could do today. That's why you live in that place of expectation. I once heard a wise person say, a wise man, his name was Pastor Scott. He said, learn to cultivate and live in a place of expectation. Literally anything can happen, any day, any second, you never know. And so you have to, even though we have schedules and we stay on task and we do all those things that are great, because you schedule in the most important, hopefully you're scheduling in the most important things and making sure those get done first. But we have to also be, be aware. What is the Holy Spirit saying? What does the Holy Spirit want to do? And I just did it last week. I was on a schedule. I'm like, man, I got to knock this out. I got to hurry up so I can get home. And this dude started talking to me. And I'm like, hey, so I kind of talked to him a little bit. And we went back and forth with some conversation. But I'm like, I got to get going. I got to get up the road. I hopped in my car and I drove off. And I was like, man, I should have stayed there and, and continued that conversation. I don't know what the world would have done, but I was in a hurry. So don't let your life be run by the clock. Now, there's the opposite side of that. So where's all my free-spirited people? All the people are like, ah. All these people with their schedules. Nah, I'm just going to do life. I'm just going to hang out. Right? Time, what's time? Sorry, I was there when we first got married. It's like, what's time? I learned that lesson real quick. Where have you been? What time is that? Yeah. If you're newly married, please learn that lesson. Especially if your wife's love language is time. But all you people, all you people who like don't care about time, either your life's being run by everybody else, you're all on their schedules, because all people who have schedules, they're running you now. Okay? So let's, let's not live by the extreme. Let's find a place to live in where we're aware of what God wants to do in every situation. Second thing is forced rhythms or unforced rhythms. Uh, Bishop last week shared that scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures where Jesus says, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and I will show you a real rest. Let me teach you my ways, my unforced rhythms of grace. Because listen, we have some rhythms in our lives, and rhythms are good. But how many, how many of those rhythms are forced rhythms? And trust me, I know about forcing. I am a, what's called D, and the disc, D personality. So I'm a doer. I get crud done. I ended that a little bit. Um, I get stuff done, okay? I am a doer. We're going to pound it. We're going to make it happen. Anybody like that? Like, yeah, all these other people don't get it done when we get it done. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't do it? Try me. Watch me. 
I'll show you, right? So what happens is, is we get into this force rhythm. And I played football for 11 years. I played football in college, and so I know all about forcing. It's like, hey, when you're tired, you suck it up. When you don't feel like you can go into the plane, you do it anyway. When the weight feels too heavy and you don't think you can get another rep, what do you do? You power through. You force. And so I, I grew up with this mentality of forcing and making it happen. And so you have these rhythms of force. And I'll never forget, I heard a scripture. I'm sorry, I heard a pastor preach a message about this unforced rhythms of grace. And um, after college, I didn't get to play football anymore, so I started running. And I was out for a run. This is in Texas on a blazing hot day. And I'm running, and I have an old neck injury from football. And so my shoulders, in between my shoulder blades, is just burning like fire. And so I'm running, and it's blazing hot, and I'm sweating. I'm like, Lord, man, this stinks. And then that scripture comes to my mind. Unforced rhythms of grace. I'm like, man, maybe I can apply this to this situation. Yes, no, like spiritual concepts can be applied Natural circumstances too, right? Okay. So I'm running and I'm forcing, like I'm powering through, and then I'm like, unforced rhythms of grace. Let me just see what that's like. So I just relaxed and I just let my body flow into a natural rhythm. Immediately the burning stopped on my shoulders. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Maybe there's a better way. So all my forcers out there, maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's this rhythm, and actually, you feel like, because you feel like when you stop forcing, and there's this relaxed flow, like you're not getting as much done. When actually, you're going to get more done. Because you can actually go faster with less effort. Come on. Okay. So, forced rhythms or unforced rhythm. Let, come and connect yourself to Jesus. Keep yourself in his love. Abide in him. And learn his ways and his rhythms. They're much better than ours. Other thing within that is toxic rhythms. Some of us have toxic rhythms that we created. These rhythms of striving and striving and failing. And then we beat ourselves up. We're hard on ourselves. We're like, man, you're so stupid. Why'd you do that again? And then we strive and we strive. And we have a little bit of success. But it's not good enough. We're like, man, you could have done better. Why didn't you do that? There's another level, like it's, it's never good enough, right? And we get in these toxic rhythms. Strive, fail, beat ourselves up. Strive, success, it's not good enough. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us are the hardest on ourselves. I'm raising my hand for a reason. Thank God he's teaching me how to walk out of that. To show myself grace. To show yourself grace. Some of you show yourself some grace this morning. Some of you guys need to break a toxic cycle this morning that you've had yourself in. And you think you're doing it, and that's what's... Hold on, hold on. You think that's what's got you to where you are. But it's actually what's holding you back from where God wants you to go. That's for somebody. Toxic rhythms. All right, so forced rhythms or unforced rhythms? Comparison. Another thing we do is we compare. And you can do that two different ways, right? Um, comparison can keep you where you're at, stationary or plateaued, because you're like, oh, I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that lady. I'm in better shape than that person. I think Bishop quoted that scripture last week about the guy who's in prayer, 
He's like, I thank you, God, that I'm not like that sinner over there. Please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm better than him, so I'm okay. I can stay comfortable. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to compare yourselves with anyone but Jesus. You're like, oh, how can I be like Jesus? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus actually said, you will do greater things than me because I go to the Father. So there's actually greater things for you. Don't compare yourself to other people because it's either going to keep you plateaued and stuck and stationary or it's going to keep you down because you're belittling yourself. Ah, why can't I just be like that person? Man, I just, I don't think I can ever get there. Well, you're not supposed to. You have a specific call and a, and a specific gift and talent and purpose that God has placed for you. Stop looking at those people. And then the other thing is pride. What holds us back? Pride. This is a big one. And so everyone knows the indicator that falling is imminent is pride. So just know that when there's pride, falling is coming soon. That's what that scripture means when it talks about pride. And so if you want to, because here's what we do, especially us doers, especially us forcers, right? We, we accomplish, and then we're like, oh, man, I did that. We start to get this uh, confidence in ourselves and what we did. Right? Well, I'm better than, or I did this, they didn't do it, I got it done, they didn't. Right? We can, we can develop this pride. But that's not a, the place you want to be. Pride takes you out from the umbrella. Pride keeps you not in his love. Pride is a barrier between you and the King of Kings, between you and your Savior, between you and the God who loves you more than anything you could ever imagine. When you are in a place of humility, when you're in a place of humility, you can receive something from anyone. God can speak to me through anyone. Listen, if God can speak through a jackass, no, I'm not cussing, a donkey. He used a donkey in the Bible. Look it up. He spoke through a donkey. What would you do if you were out on the road and a donkey started talking to you? You'd think you were crazy. You'd probably go see the psychiatrist. You probably call somebody a punny. I think I'm losing it. I think, I'm, I think I've been working too many hours at work. I'm hallucinating. This donkey just talked to me. But listen, if God can speak through a donkey, then he can speak through anyone to me. Because listen, you never know who you're talking to, who you're sitting across the table from. You never know. And maybe it's not that person, but maybe it's the person that they're going to connect you with. Or maybe it's the person that they're going to connect you with and then they're going to connect you with someone else and they're going to connect you with someone else. I have this crazy, ludicrous story you probably wouldn't believe that happened to me in Mexico. Once upon a time in Mexico, Jesus showed up. And I don't have time to tell you that story, but <laughs> the way that story happened is a long story. <laughs> Lots of details. The way that story happened is, is this person 
God connected me with this person, this person connected me with this person, and that's the person that Jesus wanted to have an encounter with. You never know. Don't underestimate who you're talking to, who you're sitting across the table with from, because you never know. They may not look like the right person, but they might be able to connect you with the right person. And that person could very well have in their hands what you need. It could be your healing. It could be your promotion. It could be the connection that's going to connect you with the person you're supposed to do a business deal with. It could be the person that's going to connect you with the person of the person of the person who's got the property that you want to buy, that you want to invest in. You never know. It could be the person that their testimony is literally what you're praying and believing for to happen in your life. Don't underestimate. But because we don't, because we're not walking in humility, that's why we don't see it. You gotta be humble. You gotta go, man, this person don't look like much. Actually, I mentioned 5 a.m. club. Where's my 5 a.m. club people at? The dude who's the 5 a.m. club guy, he's this rich billionaire, and he looks like a homeless guy. And they're sitting there talking. There's these two people, and they meet this guy, and they're like, man, who is this guy? And then he invites them to come to his place on his jet, and they're like, or helicopter. And I'm like, should we go with this guy? I think this guy's crazy. You never know. Okay. So here's the last couple verses in Jude. Verse 20, he says, be merciful to those who doubt. You know, and this probably is just going to come into everything today. Um, why would, and be merciful, another translation says, be compassionate on those who doubt. Sometimes it's hard if we don't struggle with something, we don't doubt in an area of our lives or in God's word. Sometimes we get irritated with people who do. I'm like, man, what's that problem? That's not hard. <clears throat> Bro. Um, it says, be compassionate on those who doubt. Maybe your testimony and how you've overcome that thing is what you need to be sharing with them so they cannot doubt it anymore. Be compassionate on them. Help them. Come along. Be like, hey, let me show you the ways. Let me show you my ways. Jesus is ways. No, where's my natural Libre people at? All right. Don't. Be irritated with those people. Be compassionate. It says right here, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others. I love this. Save others by snatching them from the fire. I like Jude. I think me and Jude would have been friends. Jude says, save others by snatching them. Now, someone is like, what is that? Sorry, this is what I think about. I'm like, well, you know, I've gone through some leadership development, so you got the empowerment dynamic, and you don't want to be the rescuer, where you rescue people because they're always going to need to be rescued. So it's like, oh. we're not talking about rescuing people. Jesus is the rescuer. You got to snatch them. Some people are on a path and a road, and they're headed into the fire. They're headed into the flames, the flames of hell. But guess what? There is a hell on earth before you get to the hell that is hell. There's a hell on earth, and they're headed into those flames, and you can literally divert their path. By snatching them from the fire. What does that look like? I don't know what it looks like for you. It's going to be different for you. But I can tell you a story about my life. 
And when I was in high school, um, I was a, I'm an introvert. And I was real shy in high school. But Jesus affected my life and changed me, and so I wanted other people to know. And so I used to invite people from my public high school to church, to youth church. And I used to go and pick them up in my parents' Astro van. Everybody don't know what an Astro van is? It's not cool. <laughs> it didn't have nothing. I mean, it's just stock, stock Astro van. But I, but I had plenty of seats. So I used to go pick up kids and take them to youth church, and God changed their life. Sometimes it's just simply inviting somebody. And then maybe picking them up in your car. Or your parents. Astro van. Um, maybe sometimes it's bigger. Sometimes it's more involved. But you got to go, man, what has God put in my hands? And another, <laughs> I, I, the Lord reminded me of this story um, for this service. Um, there was another time in high school, because I was confident, but I was shy. I don't know if anybody relates to that. Like, I was confident in who I was and who God made me, but I was a shy person. So we had speech. We had to take speech as a part of our high school courses. And I'll never forget, <laughs> there was this young lady. She was a very sweet girl. I think the day before my speech, she got up, and she was Christian. I think she was, I won't say denomination, but anyways, um, she was a, a nice girl, and she got up, and her speech was about the separation of church and state, and how that you shouldn't be able to bring Bibles to school. I was sitting in class scratching my head like, what church does she go to? And so here's the funny thing. The next day, I do my speech, and my speech is on abortion. And so I get up there, and the first thing I do is I open my Bible. And read from Genesis that life is in the blood. And she was sitting on the front row. Now, I didn't do that on purpose. I wasn't trying to be arrogant. That's just how it worked out. <laughs> and then I showed a video of an abortion. Maybe that makes you uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable. Um, just like Sound of Freedom. It's uncomfortable, but it's, it's real. Um, and so I was standing up for God. I was being a Christian in an unchristian world, in an unchristian high school. In my own way. Um, and so at the end of the class, after I, I did my speech, the, my teacher was like, everybody ready for lunch? <laughs> I guess he wanted to lighten up the mood. Um, but, but I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what that looks like for you. To save others by snatching them out of the fire. Um, another one, one more story from high school. And if you're a, a student, if you're a youth in the room, listen up. This story's for you. Um, sometimes it looks like something bigger. And so in, in my high school, we had a group called Campus Life. And Campus Life was a, a club, a Christian club in our school. And so me and my best friend Andy, we got involved in that club. And then when you're upperclassmen, you can be a leader. And so we applied to be leaders, and we were leaders of Campus Life. So uh, one of the other leaders in Campus Life, she was connected to somebody who was connected to this group. Did you guys hear that? She was connected to somebody who was connected to this group, right? And so that group came into places like schools and put on an event. And we're like, man, that sounds amazing. They come into our, our public school and people get invited to, to know Jesus. And so the first thing we had to do is we had to go to the principal and get permission. And so me and one of the other leaders, we went to the principal and our, I knew our principal was a Christian. And so we go to the principal and we're laying out like this event for him and he like kind of cuts us off and we don't get to even like tell him the whole spiel. And um, he's, he approves it. In hindsight, we're like, 
Ah, I know what he was doing. He didn't want to know everything. What do you call that? Uh, plausible deniability? I am a lawyer, but that's what it's called, right? Um, so if you don't know everything, then you can't be held liable, right? Because you know what you're, they're going to do, right? So we get permission, then we got to raise all this money, and then we're putting this event on. We advertise for it on our, our fancy school TVs, and uh, it's going to be after school one day in the gym. And I'm going to forget, me and Andy are standing in the hallway um, right before the event starts. And I mean, there's blow-ups, like five or six blow-ups, there's pizza, there's going to be a band, and actually the band fell through, so it didn't happen, but there's a drama team, and then a speaker, somebody's going to share the gospel. Me and Andy are out in the hall, looking at each other, and we're like, man, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to get in trouble, because ain't nothing like this ever been done at this school. And uh, then we look to each other, and we go, we don't care. We're scared, but we don't care. And we went in, and 300 kids showed up to that event from our high school. And the altar call came, and the principal's son was there. The altar call came, kids raised their hand to accept Jesus, kids raised their hand to rededicate their lives to Jesus, and the principal's son was one of the kids who raised their hand to be rededicated. And so we did what you normally did back then. They all go in a separate room where they fill out a card, right, so we can connect with them, send them a Bible, get them plugged into a church. And so we do all that. The next day, or the next week at school, um, the, the principal's son, he's a writer for the school paper. He writes an article about the event, talking about how people were pressured to make a decision. They were forced. They were pressured. They're like, bro, that's called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Me and this two play football together. I'm like, really, bro? I was like, we don't care. It already happened. God already did what he wanted to do. And then... They found out about us getting the students' information because you're not allowed to get students' information without parents' permission. And so they, that, that group was never going to be allowed to come to the school anymore. I'm like, who cares? Like, kids got to say, like, I don't have to come back. <laughs> and, but then we had to give all the contact cards back. We were like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Like, we want to be able to connect with these kids and get them into a good church and all that. And our teacher, who, was, um, who we did at our club in his room, he, in his very roundabout, plausible deniability way, uh, basically told us, why don't you just write their information down on our notebook paper? They're like, <laughs> So we wrote all their information down, gave all the cards back, and we're able to contact them and connect them and do all that fun stuff. So sometimes it's just inviting people. Sometimes it's, it's saying, yes, we'll put on that event. We'll do the work and watch God do amazing things. Stacks people from the fire. All right. To others, show mercy mixed with fear. What does that mean? Show mercy mixed with fear. We all need to have a fear and a reverence for God and honor for the Lord. So yes, we should show mercy, but there needs to be a respect. And that's where humility, right? We are humble because we honor and respect the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we need to teach people that. Not just that he's a merciful God, that he's, he's a awe-inspiring God. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh, and even the smell, even the stench, even the clothes of what the world's doing, of what the, the scoffers are doing, of what the people who are teaching these false teachers, man, we don't want to be even involved in that. We don't want to act like it's okay to look at porn. We don't even want to act like it's okay to, to date somebody on the side of your wife. Man, we don't want to act like that's okay. We don't want to go <laughs> chuckle with guys that are talking about work. We don't want to act like that's okay. Sorry, I think I'm a little comfortable. Um, 
So, okay, there's three things that's our, our part in that scripture. One is show mercy. Two is save others. Remember, snatch them out of the fire. And three is fear God. So then verse 24 is what is Jesus' part. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. So maybe you have some trouble. Maybe you find yourself stumbling a lot. I got news for you. You keep yourself in his love. You submit yourself under him. He's able to keep you from stumbling. What does that mean? Humility. What's going to happen when you have pride? Stumble. What's going to happen when you have humility? He keeps you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. No, it ain't like he's presenting you faultless and it's like, man, I've screwed up. I'm messed up. I did all these things. Man, I'm just groveling on the ground. And God's like, you poor little thing. No, you are faultless and he receives you with great joy. It's time to stand up and stop feeling like a nobody and a nothing. He receives you with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And I like you. He ends just as strong as he started. I ain't got time to break down that last part, but you go home and chew on it. And what does that mean? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages? Come on. So, Jesus' part, keep us from stumbling and present us before God blameless. In conclusion, I'm the vine, you are the branches. This is John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears some fruit. She knows her scripture. Come on. You're going to bear much. How much is much? You don't even know. <laughs> Y'all don't even know how much much is. Because your much is not my much. And stop looking at somebody else's much and getting jealous. We talked about that. Your much is your much and God has a much for you. You're going to bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do. Are you sure? Let me help you out. I looked at every translation that's available. I scrolled down. Nothing, 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 nothing. There's one other one that says you can't do anything, which the same as nothing. The only one that's different is the Passion Translation, and it says you are powerless, which. If you get in your car and you don't have any power, you gonna be able to accomplish anything in that car? Nothing. I like you. <laughs> so, and the first, so that's John 15, 5. John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, you guys know the scripture, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Who's the Word? Jesus is the Word made flesh. And it says, Through him all things were made. How many things? I hold up, Pastor Christian, all things through Jesus? Let me give you an example. So in your body, you have this substance called laminin. And laminin is an adhesion protein. And that adhesion protein holds your cells together like glue. 
So literally, your cells are held together by laminin. You guys want to know what laminin looks like under the microscope? Anybody know? The cross. <coughs> I know you're going to have to Google it and look it up, but just trust me. It looks just like the cross. So literally, your very body is held together by the cross of Jesus. So don't tell me you can do something without Jesus. Don't tell me in your pride that you can accomplish something without him. You can't even get out of bed. You can't even breathe. Your cells, you know what happened to your cells if they're not held together? <laughs> you ain't doing nothing. So let's drop the pride because humility is where it's at. Let's stand. <laughs> Let's close our eyes. Because I really believe that, that there's a lot of people in here today that it's time to bow your knee. That the pride that you've been walking in, you're tired. And you're asking questions. You're asking, when is it going to stop? When am I going to get my breakthrough? When are things going to come together? When is the pain going to stop? When are bad things going to stop happening? When? And I'm here to tell you this morning, it's as soon as you decide to humble yourself. As soon as you decide to bow your knee, to submit. Submission is not weakness. Submission is powerful. It's a choice. Because when you submit yourself to the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that's the most powerful thing you can do. You come under. You come under his lordship. You come under his power and his authority when you do that. And so I'm just going to open up the altar this morning. And many of you need to come down here and bow your knee. You need to come down and bow your knee. And perhaps it's the first time that you've bowed your knee to the Lordship of Jesus. That's what you need to do. For some of you, there's pride in your heart. And you need to come bow your knee. You need to come bow down in that area of pride. Where you felt like you've built something. And you're not giving that up. If you, if you don't submit it under God, you're going to lose it anyway. Everything you've built, you will lose if you hold on to it and grip it in your pride. The Bible is, tells us pride comes right before the fall. And so I invite you this morning to come down. Come on. Come down. You, you know you need to come down. Come down and bow your knee. Come down and bow your knee. You can bow your knee where you're at at your seat. And I'm not talking about figuratively. I'm talking about literally. See, coming down to the altar is, is an act of humility. Because you're saying, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. No matter what anybody else thinks about me, no matter what anybody else says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to choose to humble myself. The secret is in humility. I'm telling you, there's people here this morning that this is the game changer for you. This is your opportunity. God has given you this opportunity. You've been wondering and asking, and this is it. God, we just bow our knee before you. God, every area of pride that we've had in our hearts, God, we just ask for your forgiveness.
Just ask for his forgiveness, for him to forgive you where you've had pride, where you've, you've been callous to others because of your pride, where you think that you've been able to accomplish something without him. You think that you've built something without him. You've built an empire without him. It's only by his grace. And so God, we just humble ourselves before you. And if you're here, this is the first time you've bowed your knee to the Lordship of Jesus. Just repent. Just say, I repent. And I believe that Jesus is the Lord. And I just submit myself under him. for the gift of humility. That is a gift. It is a gift for us to submit ourselves to you and to partner with you because you have something so much better. Your rhythms and your ways are so much better. There's a higher way. There's a higher way. There's a better way. And you think that you've accomplished a lot by the way you've done it. Just wait until you submit to him. When you submit to him, it explodes. He doesn't work in addition. He works in multiplication. There's a better way. There's a better way. And God, we just submit to that way this morning. We submit to you. We submit to you in your way. And we thank you. We just, just look at our hands and just ask, Lord God, what have you placed in my hands? Perhaps the very thing that you've disregarded, that you've downplayed, that you've said, ah, oh, that's not anything. Perhaps that's the very thing that God wants to use. The very thing that God wants to use. For, for someone here this morning, that he's literally placed healing in your hands. There is healing in your hands. The gift of healing, literally, you can place your hands on people and touch people and they will be instantly healed. Man, if that's you this morning, you feel that, just open up your hands and say, I receive. I receive the gift of healing. I receive the gift of healing. God, we receive. We look at our hands and we say, God, what have you placed on my hands? God, show us what you have placed in our hands to have impact and influence in the earth, to live for Christ, to stand up for Christ in an unchristian world. Because that's what you've called us to, a better way, a higher way. Thank you, Jesus. We just submit to you in your ways. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.